Jay-Z said it right. Somewhere in America, Miley Tor- uh, Cyrus is still twerking. Fuck it. Let's take a moment and breathe, as we always do. What's up, homies? You're currently listening to what? Pimp. 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 What is Pimp? (laughs) Paranoid in my paradise, the podcast. A space where we express mental health and personal challenges through conversations. Sponsored by Revolve V, in association with the Canadian Mental Health Association. I'm Syme, with my favorite co-host, Brooke. Lynn Letson and Jeremy Ritchie this time joining us. Yeah, we got us. Jeremy What's on the up, pod guys? again. Got him on the pod, but yeah, Revere the V um, is a startup label that expresses mental health and art through fashion. And before we jump in, if you support this movement, please leave a five-star review. Uh, also, we do not claim to be professionals, nor do we advise. We're just simply here to listen and connect, enjoy everybody's conversations. Um, if you do know somebody that needs or wants help, please visit the skcmha.ca. They have tons of resources and programs. Cool. Who do we have today? Today we have Ishita Man, right? Did I say it right? I did, I did. Um, how would you like to introduce yourself? Well, hi everyone. First of all, thank you for having me. You guys are wonderful. Um, my name is Ishita Man, or you can call me Ishida, however you want to. I am the CEO and founder of YHY Saskatchewan, Canada's leading nonprofit, as well as a student at University of Saskatchewan. And we're quickly going to talk about, well, we're not quickly going to talk about, but some of the topics we're going to talk about will be her story, what has transpired her in her life to become who she is today, and how mental health is important to her, and why it is, uh, collective impact, staying true to yourself, and then the idea of growth and importance of growth. Yeah. All yeah. right, so let's get started. First off, if you don't mind, I'd like you to give us a brief description. Not brief, because, you know, lives aren't brief, but you know what I'm saying. Um, who you are and where you're from and what's led you to the point you are in your life now. Yeah, um, so I'm originally from India, so that means I moved here. I want to say I was 11 years old, so it's been quite some time since we've been living in Canada, but I remember initially when we came here, we had to go back because it was a very hard adjustment for my younger brother and I. We couldn't, you know, connect with the culture, uh, and moving in the snow time to Ontario, not the greatest move, but uh, it was definitely something I think new for us and made us a bit more appreciative of our culture as well. But yeah, my family and I, we have been living in Saskatchewan now for the past five-ish years, and I think it's a great place to be. The people are wonderful, and uh, they make it so much easy for me to do what I do and make me enjoy it. Yeah. So I'm glad you said that because not a lot of people can say they've had that experience by putting themselves in the spotlight and trying to be somebody that um, others recognize. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, again, a lot of it goes back to that collective impact phase. You know, we all have to do all the work that needs to be done to improve our communities, to improve our society and even improve our generation. Yeah. You know, when we think about like all the issues that Generation Z go through, and there are too many, um, you know, if we're able to come together and, like, have discussions like these and, you know, have brands and support brands like Roberta V even, who are trying to actively, you know, address a problem and, you know, address it to the root, not just, like, you know, from the surface level, like, microscopically. If we're able to do that, I think that's where that collective impact comes in. And 
it won't be done if there's not like if there isn't that community presence beautifully said wild arm <laughs> insert clapping here again <laughs> yay you know the, like the sound it's like yay yeah <laughs> clap, like from all oh, the ice cream jump that's yes. another great game um <laughs> um i want to ask was your mental health affected after migrating to canada and how was it affected I think it was it was a very big change for us. You know, I think Sam can even vouch for this. Like back home, houses are a lot different. Uh, you know, you don't have a concept of a basement or at all. Like, and even apartments, they are a lot different from like what an apartment would be like. And when we moved here, obviously immigration is a huge financial expense, and there were a lot more things that our parents didn't tell us in terms of you know them losing their degrees like not getting that recognition as well um so we were oblivious to that fact but living in a basement you know being cut off from the rest of our friends all of a sudden and being expected to suddenly evolve in a society where everyone kind of has this aspect of being there for themselves only and having that loss of connection i think probably really impacted me yeah um how did it impact you though i i mean when i was that young i never had an idea what depression is i didn't know what it is i didn't know what anxiety is because i was 11 years old and in india especially like you're never taught these things so openly at, at that young age yeah the goal no. is to keep you away from it so that you know there's a perception that if you hear it you're gonna believe it um so i never i didn't know what it was i just kind of said oh i'm sad i'm just sad and uh, now looking back I, I can think is there was a lot of stuff going on <laughs> do, so you do you uh do you think that you know as we've known you you know you've you've worked with the brand quite a bit for you know for simon had an impact in our lives do you think uh um and we've seen this work ethic with you it's all it's unforgiving you're always working on something right do you think you developed that work ethic because of seeing like wow my parents lost their degrees coming over here now they have to start fighting again and like you know do you think that motivated you in a sense to like just go for it i guess yeah i i think that was a really big uh factor especially because um seeing my mom i think more so than my dad because my dad was able to get into his something related to his field mm -hmm. really quickly my mom had to redo her education at the university so and i i really applaud her because she drove every single day from north battleford to saskatoon and back for about two years and finished a four-year degree in two so i you know when she'd come back she'd be with us she'd she'd make dinner she'd you know hear what happened at school she was a she's a perfect mother and she was doing all these things as well and i i think seeing her do that seeing her be so comfortable managing all that stuff and also dealing with that emotional setback mm -hmm. i think it really motivated me to do the same and kind of kind of like respect her give her that respect by imbibing some of her work ethic as well and i think that's so important yeah and it has had an impact on my you know my ability to have some sort of discipline because you can't get any work done if you're not disciplined absolutely motivation is transient discipline is forever yes you are 100 yeah. right <laughs> oh. uh, i think that you know in our day-to-day -day 
lives that we live that's something that we take for granted a lot of the time and i'm glad that you're able to speak to that and not see because we don't see what you know our, our parents have really gone through or other people's parents you know especially parents who have had to immigrate and stuff like that losing all their degrees and um essentially being told that uh well it's not to the standard here when yeah. it is I guarantee, sometimes even yeah, better. even better yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes even better yeah and I, I think the same even like goes to like regular people here, like people who are perhaps not earning as high in that income bracket, mm-hmm. single mothers, single fathers, um, and just people who I guess you would consider at a bit of a disadvantage because of their circumstances. Yeah. They can't help it, but you, you'll find the most hardworking people in them. Yeah. Absolutely. Why is that? Um I don't know. I don't know if we can put this in either, but at times we see people who migrate to another country are more hardworking than um, people who actually were born here. Well, it's a, I definitely think of if speaking of somebody who was born here. It's it's definitely a privilege thing. You know, you can't just put that fact aside that we did not grow up in that uh, environment. We did not grow up around those things. We did not grow up around different circumstances or things like that, right? Like most people born in Canada and also their parents who are Canadian citizens can get checks from the government if we don't have money, things like mm-hmm. that, right? Like it was, it's basically... It's, it's all, it all comes down to privilege and the surroundings and your environment. It's a lot different. We have a tremendous, tremendous amount of social support in Canada mm-hmm. for people. And a lot of countries uh, around the world do not have social supports like that. So if you're on your last legs yeah. and you have nothing left, you can't turn to anybody or you're in it fighting for yourself still. Yeah. And I think that's a privilege to be born to. And I think a lot of sure. uh, like, I, I can see this because I'm a white person. I think a lot <laughs> of white people um, have this preconceived note, like uh, connotation about people migrating into their space, into their yeah. place and things like that. And that's where it all comes from. They're like, no. And like all the stereotypes come from where those people who have lived a privileged life are like, they're taking this from us they're taking our opportunities they're taking our jobs but they're not and it's not fair to have all these reprimands on everything for when you migrate over it's not fair and and speak on that argument about like taking the taking our jobs specific especially it sometimes ends up being jobs that no one else is willing to do and it's it's what is available to them you know uh, i remember my dad he worked in a factory when he came here. He's a radiologist. That's the highest branch of medicine. So, and we never even knew about it. You know, they they never told us about it. We learned about it like at a very later age that, you know, they went through this. My mom, she would be working night shifts and like Tim Hortons. And I remember one time she came home, someone had thrown like coffee at her in the drive through for like being brown and then said, you're taking away our jobs you're not mm. there <laughs> you're not doing it why are you scrutinizing the other person for doing it and then demeaning them first you demean horrible. the job then you demean the person <laughs> i also believe people who have immigrated to canada like not only the value that's been provided in my life whether it's like oh your kids have been my friends or like just in general it, the diversity in our country now 
has provided tremendous value. It has made us a smarter country. Mm-hmm. It has made us a more uh, like conscious country socially, and it's developed our like even our economics, our, our yeah. uh, financials, all that stuff. It, it makes everything better. People want to be there. It's a good thing. It's not. Yeah. It means you're doing something right, and people want to exactly. be there. I I always have had a graph about people. You know, it's racist at its blatant thing. People yeah. don't like that. And sadly, we still live with that every day. Uh, you know, there's worse places. Yeah. It's just the States. But, you know, it's good. It's such a good thing. You Do know? we think people are born with entitlement? I think it's it's everything comes down to being what you're taught and what you're told when you yeah. grow up. Because that's what you're going to believe. It's going to be imprinted and embedded in your child memories and in tri- yeah. it's in your core. I'll quote something from Friends. If you've seen the first episode of Friends where Rachel tells her dad, do you think I'm going to believe I'm a shoe, I'm a shoe, I'm a shoe? What if I want to be a purse or, or a hat? <laughs> like, and, and I'm saying, because literally if all your life you're told you're a shoe, you're going to believe you're a shoe. Yeah. And she said it so perfectly. <laughs> yeah. No, we love Rachel. Or I do, at least. <laughs> Maybe for different reasons. I love Monica. Monica? Monica? I, I love Chandler. Everyone loves Chandler. I, I don't understand that, though. I don't know why everyone loves Chandler. Like, I feel like he's so relatable in some situations. Like When he like is awkward, I'm like, I would be so awkward in that situation, <laughs> too. Maybe even worse than what you are experiencing. <laughs> I I really I do believe that we are not born as anything, you know. Like you're you're not inherently racist when no. you're yeah. a baby. It is something that is yeah. taught to you, and you know that's why cultures around different areas. Like uh, coming from Alberta, I know there is a much different view right. of immigration than in places like BC. Yeah, and it's it's just the values and the beliefs over there, but the. The oil sector has 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 many many immigrants who work in it. It work in right. the oil industry and stuff like that, which has benefited Alberta in the end. And people mm-hmm. say, "Oh, it's jobs, it's this, it's that." It it isn't. It's it's a positive, I think. And I think, like on an ideological pr- perspective mm-hmm. too, like I remember Jeremy, you mentioned that, like as an as a country, we've improved, whether that be financially, but yeah. also like in terms of that like intellectual aspect no no ideology is bad one can be better Mm -hmm. but having those different perspectives is what gets these discussions happening i understand like there are some topics on which debate is not necessarily needed like mental health for example but at the same time you can't deny that the other person is coming from a place of thought like they've clearly thought about something for a long time they've come from a place of some sort of knowledge Maybe not the best knowledge, but some sort of knowledge that they're able to voice that opinion. So I I think as a country, you know, I'd probably say like, I would much rather live in Canada, you know, where I I feel like I'm able to, you know, be heard. But at the same time, we have to realize that like, not everyone has a super colored lens. It takes, you can't expect the people here to adapt so quickly to us either. And neither can they expect us to conform to them. <laughs> That's the duality. It is. Perspective is key. And I literally don't know who could have said that better than you in that analogy, honestly. And that's that's right. You, that's what you said. That's why we're here. And that's why we have these conversations, because perspective is so important. 
uh, you don't expect somebody to have the same beliefs or the same morals as you and things like that. But the reason why two complete opposite people can be friends is because they respect that they're yeah. not going to try and force something upon the other. Yeah. And that's what happens when you have those higher level conversations with each other. Like, I most of my friend group is Caucasian. But back in high school when I was in North Battleford, we were like, I think, the first Indian family to move there ever. You know, when someone randomly appears in your house and you're not used to seeing them, your first reaction is like, what are they doing here? Similarly, that community had that reaction. We can't scrutinize on them. If they get hostile, then that's bad. But we can't scrutinize them either. They can't demean us either. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> That's a cr that's a wild story. Like, Everything yeah. makes me emotional. <laughs> Brooklyn's about to cry. I'll cry uh, with you. I'll cry with you. Please I'll cry do. with you. Please when do. I see someone cry, like my automatic instinct, I'm gonna cry. Like I'm gonna join you. <laughs> I don't want you to feel alone. Oh no. Um, so, what do you think the most challenging aspect of growing up here in high school was then? I think not having the right like support in terms of mental health you know our parents are gonna their end goal always is gonna be to see us happy no parent wants to see their child in stress or distress or upset even so their goal would be like my dad would like put his arm on my shoulder and be like you know you're good you got this champ like you got it like that motivation factor is wonderful but when you consider a country like canada you need diverse mental health professionals and resources. It's not a one-size-fit-all mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. The advice a Caucasian therapist would give to a Caucasian person might make sense because it's a shared culture, shared pedagogies. But someone like me, if I went to a therapist and it was not someone of the same color, if I'm, if I'm complaining about something that I'm going through that like only a brown person would understand, that communication was never provided. And... Honestly, I think that is so needed, especially in schools, because that is where you form a majority of your core memories, like in middle school and high school. You'll probably remember some things from that time. So unless you if you don't get that support, unfortunately, it, it gives you a bad taste in your mouth about not just mental health as a topic, but the system in which you're living. It all turns that makes people hate the world. Yeah, hate the world, don't trust the government, don't trust what's offered to them, yeah. and sometimes not even be aware of what's offered to them. Mm -hmm. Well, and it also it brings up the point uh, you, you made of, um, you know, having a, speaking to someone of your culture, and that, you know, a lot of people just say, hey, we're all the same. We're not, mm -hmm. though. We're we not. breathe the same air. <laughs> And yes, we, we like to view each other. I personally believe, like, I like to view everybody as, you know, a, one, not judgment or anything like that. But cultural-wise, there is such a dramatic shift through our entire mm -hmm. lives. And that is something that needs to be separate yeah. in a way that because people want to uphold their culture and believe it and practice it, mm -hmm. which is what Canada promotes, you know, pra any religion you're allowed to practice and all that. You need to be able to uh, be able to speak to someone who is you know within your culture and because it, it's it's a safe space as well it creates right. uh uh some mutual understanding i could see how it could be kind of uncomfortable talking to someone who did had no representation of what you would have actually gone through mm -hmm. and 
it's like to live in yeah. prejudice exactly. yeah like we yeah. will never know we won't know no. we'll yeah. never know like for like i i mean again i understand like some parents can be inherently strict or whatever but in brown cultures pakistani bangladeshi indian whatever there is there's this idea that you know anything you do should require parental permission you have to maybe it's a sign of respect i don't even like think of it as a bad thing like i personally feel so normal going to and ask my if they say no then it's a no no other questions asked afterwards but you know if i was to explain that to some of my friends in high school who never belonged to that culture for them it'd be like you're so forced like you're in a really oppressive environment that is not like a norm that's just how it is you're you're brought up you know in such a way that you are cultivated to respect your elders yeah. and i mean i have the expectation expectation from my brother he cannot do anything unless i give a check mark on it um and i enforce it too and i think that's that's normal to some extent but at the same time if i was to explain it to my friend who wanted to do a sleepover and i'll be like well, I need like a week notice. I need to first slip it into my parents' mind, you know, coax them into saying yes. Inception. It's like, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of mind games that are yeah. involved. <laughs> like, it'll be like, oh, you know, Maya said, like, you know, we should hang out. Like, there's a sleepover. Like, I feel like I should go. <laughs> I should go. <laughs> Please, let me go. <laughs> but don't we think, um, that if we think our parents are always right in a way because i feel like every decision has some truth and some lie to it or like you cannot always be 100% right no matter what kind of decision it is so i feel like i i straight up tell my dad maybe it's because i'm 22 now that i mean whatever decision you're going to make or something you're going to tell me you can't expect that you're going to be 100 percent right yeah. and that i have to obey that you what you said and it's the other way around as well if i tell him anything that doesn't mean i'm 100 percent right but i think parents and kids should have some kind of mutual mutuality Mutual I'll just respect. say that you're able to get away with it because you're also a boy. I'm just gonna put it right. Yeah. Out. I will put it out there, but you're you're right that that mutualism is needed, and I think it comes with that trust factor. Um, I, there was a video that I watched. It was by Lily Singh, and she talked about like how do you get like trusting parents? You have to build that trust. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to teach them, like tell them, like, hey, I'm I'm 20. I can probably go you know get ice cream alone <laughs> yeah. i can go i can do it <laughs> but at the same time you know you that it still becomes that conversation that between different cultures if i was to explain this same phenomenon to somebody else i'll be like i don't even ask my parents like i can come out whenever i want to there is that distinction and that comes with representation too yeah i'm well, a debater I do. Uh, one of my best buddies from high school, I always remember him talking about, because uh, we'd bug him. We'd be like, man, why you got to go home at nine? Like, yeah. on, it's a weekend. Like, let's stay out and have fun. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you guys will never understand it. And we're like, you're probably right. And he would try to tell us it's a respect thing and it's a mutual thing. But then he explained it to us one day about how it is his parents viewed as a way to keep him in a distract not distraction free but to keep him destined on what his goals were and right. school and scholastics and and um 
you know, getting into university and becoming an engineer, which he is now doing, was what he wanted. And his parents were like, well, then we're going to push you to get there. And this was one of their ways of doing it. And I kind of understood in that way. You don't want somebody going out and getting into trouble at two o'clock in the morning as a 17 year old, Mm -hmm. you know, which kids do. And it tends to have effects after that right if you get into the wrong things it was and i i understood that side of the parenting and being strict so to say so sometimes you're like oh come on like let's just stay out but i i get it yeah and it connects so much to the uh that immigrant mindset as well like about hard working because our parents were exposed to such conditions where they were demeaned either on job Mm -hmm. or they were forced to do things that they were overqualified for very clearly they don't want their kids to be in that position where they have to go through that thing because they know how bad it is yeah they know how tough it is yeah and just to throw this in, I always remember if he was late, every three minutes he was getting a phone call <laughs> and he wouldn't let him like, have to hang up. He couldn't he couldn't talk his way out of it. So it's yeah. always funny. <laughs> um, yeah, again, but like if we can quickly go to back to my topic <laughs> or not my topic, but what I said, I still don't think parents are always right. Well, yeah, they're human beings. Right. But they think they're always right, though. And that's wrong. Well, it's good if uh, a human being can uh, mediate and calm down after the fact and realize they weren't completely right. And that's when both sides usually end up apologizing to each other and talking it out in some sort of way, however they choose to do it. And it's not just parents, Simon. No. Kids are also the same way. If That's you true. want to go to your dad and say, it's okay for me to go out at 2 a.m. And your dad's like, no, no, no. He'll give you five reasons. You'll give him five reasons. You're both valid. It's about if you're both able to put your egos aside and come to the middle point, like Brooklyn said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> With parents as well, it, it it's a... Uh, they're using their life experience to try and uh, instill a better version of themselves right. to you. That's yeah. their their whole goal, right? And I I've always admired parents that are were able to, you know, give experiences and like kind of explain to them, hey, this happened, and not like you know make it up and like scare you or anything like that, but just give you a glimpse of what could happen and what you need to be wary of because there are things in the world that you want to you know maternal or paternal instincts towards their kid too of that they're you know there's bad times in parenting where people won't talk to each other for months at a time Mm -hmm. you know and families and stuff but there's always that want to like you know i miss this person and i'd rather be a part of this person's life than you know force my way upon them and not let them be themselves mm-hmm. right and everybody has their own path people are just trying to figure out just like they did right and then when they realize that it makes it easier to connect yeah um i mean if i could add something that'd be at times i feel like parents make their kids life in a way so it pertains what the parent could be absolutely they try to relive their experience that they didn't get through their children and that happens a lot and that's where a lot of mental health issues start coming in through your child's life when they get older is because they have now come to the realization when they turn 16 when they have that 
internalization in their minds of what everything is and they've gone through some of the motions already that I am not who I think I am. I have no idea who mm-hmm. this person is. I don't even like doing this. I'm doing dance for 10 years because my mom wanted me to. Right. You know, things like that. Yeah. And yeah. They, they're just like sad after that. You got to work on fixing yourself and becoming who you were supposed to be. Because you get it to a point where you can't understand your child and your child can't understand you. You know, at the end of the day, we... Sh- we are here having a conversation without we don't even have kids so i'm pretty (laughs) sure like in the next 10 20 years our perspective might change but this is how we think currently you know yeah um uh, i don't think you should live vicariously through your child yeah yeah i think that's so important and i mean there are some like okay so a parent is gonna know their child best a good parent is gonna know their child definitely best and like i know that my parents know for sure that my brother and i like having things told to us like if we're making dinner they won't be like make dinner they'll give us instructions like okay so you're gonna do this then you're gonna do that it helps us because that's just how we think Mm -hmm. but it also can set up unrealistic expectations on other children because again this is not a one-size-fits-all thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you have to recognize what your child is like and i think that's a really good lesson for us as future parents you know if we're able to see what our child is like what are what do they want do they want that direction yes okay we'll give it do they want that, that independence that ability to creatively think we'll have to provide it but also in moderation yeah you know that maternal paternal instinct is going to kick in at some point to see that where are you doing what are you doing in your life let's talk (laughs) Mm -hmm. why is jeremy that you want 14 kids like what's with that number well 14 no i've never i've never said that (laughs) (laughs) definitely do not is that what you want (laughs) no i no not 14 kids On this topic, though, I'm just going to ask a question real quick that we have. Um, on the topic of, you know, maybe kids. not being, no, <laughs> Kate plus eight, uh, on the topic of not maybe knowing who you are, what is the importance of staying true to yourself and also not forgetting your culture? I think it's what should guide your, your instincts, your intuition. If you're able to be true to yourself, be true to your values, It'll guide your judgment in a way that you'll make decisions that impact you and others around you in a better way. You know, uh, for, I would, I would more. This is so like weird, but I would much rather respect somebody who is dead set on their beliefs, not willing to change them or co- like compromise them in some way, uh, because they strongly believe that that is true. I would probably respect them. I won't agree with them, but I'll respect them for sure because they're yeah. able to hold their ground. Um, so in that aspect, being true to your culture, revisiting, you know, where you're from, where your roots are from, um, and being proud of having that culture to back you up, to guide your instincts, to guide your, your thinking, your rationale. I think it is so important. I feel like, um, on the topic of being true to yourself, I think as human beings, we're consistently evolving. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're changing or growing a lot. So even like Brooklyn has instilled the idea of like being dead set on your morals and the things you value. So I think if we can have those 
if we know our core values, kind of like how if I do anything with the brand, I look back at what the core values of the brand is. Yeah. So if I'm doing anything with my life, I look back at my core values. If I know that, then I think that's me truly knowing who I am, even though if my changes are if my beliefs are getting changed you know yeah and even your core values can change throughout your life like it doesn't too. it's not going to happen in personal for say like five years it's going to happen after your entire world takes another hard turn because that's going to be non-stop your entire life it's going to happen after you learn another big lesson yeah exactly. and i guess that's where that growth mindset comes to that you should be open to change you should be open to evolve as an individual but at the same time don't do like that's where that growth mindset comes in as well um you know you should be able to change and evolve but at the same time you can't compromise your beliefs mm -hmm. on it well i think even generationally speaking we watch evolution happen like as a for example you know jokes that would fly in the 70s or 80s Mm -hmm. would definitely not fly today and it's our it's our views and our value of people and our respect for people that have changed and said okay this can I impact somebody or offend or hurt somebody in a way that we're not trying to do sorry right. morals and values well wait let's talk about that for a second yeah. let's look because like what happens what wh how do we know when it comes to a point where we need to um I just had the word in my See, mind. Like, and now it's just going fine line or something. Um, oh my gosh, why am I having a complete brain fart? It was literally like, <laughs> oh, sac like what happens when we get to the point where it becomes we have to sacrifice something for our compromise? How do we know when we get to that point? Like exactly, like somebody lies. Are you gonna sacrifice your compromise and your morals to stay with that person or be with that person? Things like that. Like sacrifice is a big thing, and I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Some people sacrifice to compromise. Some people sacrifice their morals and their values to get that compromise. You know, I think everything is done well in moderation. Eating, drinking, whatever you're doing in your life is better in moderation. When you think about that sacrifice thing too, that comes from maturity. You have to moderate yourself. How many times can you hide somebody's mistakes? How many times can you protect somebody? There's a limit same goes with like even like your own family too there's only a limit as to what you can handle and endure if it is if it's hurting you a lot and it's becoming a parasitic relationship environment for you where you as the host are just getting leached off of by that individual that your energy is always draining that it's always you uh, offering them comfort and it's not being reciprocated by them then it's the time for you to get out of that situation and not compromise and not sacrifice yourself. Ishta just said parasitic. Well put. The fuck does that mean? That means. <laughs> Wait, do you remember when we watched the movie Parasite? Yeah. No, we didn't watch that movie. Oh, that was but, not but yeah, That was anyways. not the time. I'm being stupid. <laughs> no. uh, silly me, silly parasite goose. Parasite is like, uh, like a tick. Like. All oh, right. Okay. Something that sucks it your blood. You. A vampire. Off of you. How do you know all these words? I'm a science kid. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Nye, the science, science guy. guy. Bill, Bill, Bill. Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what I was going to too. You go. <laughs> I completely agree that it is <laughs> when something becomes, you have to have your, your own boundaries right. and things set for stuff like that. Um, 
the human in us makes us do things regardless Mm -hmm. of what it does to somebody because there's people that you know you can love somebody so much in this world that doesn't matter how it what happens or pertains to that stuff it's about recognizing it but i think um along that it is a good general to live your life by if you are able to see that thing and look for those certain things in your life and see how it impacts you affect you and also you know be accountable for yourself and how you may be impacting them anything like that there is there's both sides to I think a lot of people over rationalize things and it leads to them getting stepped on and on the other side of it, people under rationalize things. I mean, I, that's what I meant to say. They mm, under rationalize things yeah. and end up getting stepped on. And then the other side of it is when people over rationalize things, they become explosive. And in both situations, it's a matter of how strong your values are. If you believe you are right and if you believe that you don't deserve to get treated badly by somebody, the human in you would instinctively tell you that you need to get out of that situation and is your rationality yeah, mature for this yeah and I, I, that's where that important like scaffolding aspect comes in too like when we think about mental health as well if you're able to notice like is this sadness normal why am i feeling this way is it like an everyday thing that's your that's the human in you imploring you to look within you and see if everything is okay or not and is it time to get out of this situation or are you going to be in it your entire life and like that self-reflection is very important mm-hmm. to understanding yourself too self-reflection is very important yeah. understanding yourselves and like your relationships with others your relationship with yourself is very very important but it is unfortunately it is shaped by your relationship and your interactions with others as well i truly believe if you can't recognize what you have done in a situation and what you have like done to contribute to it then you're in no position to say anything at all to yeah. the other person yeah. like obviously that's not what i'm saying like yes you guys are gonna talk it out don't i'm not saying don't talk it out don't say anything to them i'm like just in the fact that um you know you you can't just come swinging at them with all this bull crap and all this like information that's just you know coming from a desperate place of anger and spite and things like that right you have to the maturity of your rationale are you gonna pipe Mm -hmm. it down are you gonna pipe it up who knows i don't know but yeah yeah like you know if you're in a if you're in a friend group if you're in a romantic relationship and your partner or your friend is always telling you you know you don't look good you don't look good you're gonna believe it you know and that's gonna Mm -hmm. impact your relationship with yourself but at, so I know, but at that time, you know, it, people should feel resilient enough to stand their ground and trigger that fight or flight response in their brain and get out of that situation. Agreed. Beautifully put every time. Insert <laughs> clap here. Yes. No, we're going to have too many claps. <laughs> no, I think three is a great number. Three is a third times is a charm. Oh, yeah. Um. You know, in the society, you're known as someone who, and something you also mentioned during our text conversation, that you want to put your name out there, just everyone knows who Ishidai is. (laughs) That has a whole story behind it. (laughs) (laughs) Are we able to hear that story? story. (laughs) Sure, yeah. um, So, all my life... I guess because of the environment that we were living in, 
I never necessarily had the strongest relationships. Like, you know, like you have a core social group. I never mm-hmm. had that. Always had my family. And I, I, you know, now that I think back, I think that's awesome because in the long term, you know, those are the only consistent people in my life. But when you're at a young age, when you're in high school, when you're in middle school, you need that friendship group because, you know, it, it gives you this sense of belonging. And I never felt that way. Maybe it was because I had different interests because of the country I was from. Maybe it was just like, you know, I don't necessarily find pleasure in going to a party to relax. I think I would rather stay home and like watch Netflix all night. Everyone has different, different, you know, everyone has different beliefs and different tastes. And I never felt included in that aspect. And unfortunately, I was bullied for a very long time. And silly of me, but I never approached my parents about it, unfortunately, because I was afraid, given the circumstances that they were in and how I was aware of what they were going through, I thought I would be burdening them almost by telling them what was happening in school. And I didn't want them to doubt their decision to come here because they sacrificed everything, you know, our house connections back home and you know their own personal prestige as well and at that at one point i i just decided randomly i didn't want to i didn't want to involve therapists i didn't want to involve schools you know my first thought was like they're gonna tell my parents about this i don't want that so it's gonna have to be me who's gonna try to change me and i think at that point i decided like i want to be so seen that even if people don't like me they'll still see me and they can have their own opinion on it, but I'm going to be there and I'm going to work hard enough to get to that level in my life. And I am. <laughs> what do you have? Sorry. What do you have to what do you have to say to that person who is currently in the shoe that you were before, who's getting bullied and who doesn't fit in like, you know, a normal friend group kind of thing? First of all, don't be me. <laughs> Actually get help. Go and talk to your school counselor or your teacher or your principal. Include your parents in it. They'll be able to guide you a lot better and it will protect you from some really awkward conversations years later. Um, and most importantly, if you don't find that, you know, that core group that you're looking for, you go to school to study. That's the end of the day. That's what your job is. You go there, you study, you come back home and you're fine. It's not going to hurt you. You're still living. You're still breathing. Find that connection either in your family, either in something you believe in, like a hobby, and spend your time where you enjoy it because then you'll perfect it. Yeah, it's the idea of finding yourself to be important. Right. Like finding importance through something. It could be your family. It could be um, a TV show. It could be anything. Just so you have some sort of relatability. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think we have a much, much greater, you know, when, when you're a little kid, making right. friends is so easy, right? Cause you just walk up to, hey, you want to be friends? Or like, yeah, sure. I don't have any friends. So be friends. But as you age and you get into teen, that friendship is now judgmental. So every right. time somebody comes into a group, they're being judged indirectly because right. we are taught to do that by our friends, by high school, by mm-hmm. junior high school, all that stuff. As we age out of this and as we have aged forward, I'm now seeing that people have identified who they 
truly are becoming to understand that. And they are able to find like-minded individuals as they age who they have no judgment against because it doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't right. matter their um, views on yeah. certain things. It is more of a, hey, we connect well together mm -hmm. and are able to... And obviously, you, you friends have similar views yeah. typically, but it gets easier and easier now out of this where we are becoming less judgmental like, like that bullying culture has kind of dove down a little bit and, it's, and honestly yeah. like you can make those friendships at any age oh yeah but, like if someone is in that situation i'd probably even tell them like like i used to volunteer at the hospital like pretty regularly mm -hmm. like i'm talking every day after school for two hours even summers i would be there some of my closest friends in that time were I love old people. Yeah. <laughs> My patients, they were people who I was, you know, helping treat. I was given a lot of responsibility that, you know, typically volunteers are not given. Um, but it gave me the opportunity to meet people who had similar tastes yeah. as me, you know, who liked jazz music, who liked to have a cup of tea when it's raining. Yeah. And they understood it. And it made me feel happy because I finally felt like someone relates to it. Absolutely. You know? And it doesn't have to be the same age group. It doesn't have to be people at your own school. Like, I, if, if you've been in, like, those inter-team sports, like, when yeah. you're playing against... I've seen so many people have, like, the closest relationships with people and, like, they don't even go to school with them. They've no. just... They met, meet each other at, like, basketball games and they're like, it's good to see you and that's it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's true. Being in an environment that you're mm -hmm. comfortable in, you can meet people that are like-minded that, that's very i like that yeah. even talking about the you know the age doesn't matter you know growing up with you know with my grandparents and stuff i learned that how essential and valuable old people are to our society yeah wisdom mm -hmm. is so key to this world yeah and you know most wisdom as you age everyone has wisdom to an extent but when you have so much life experience to be able to pass that on to people yeah. so valuable thank god you're not ageist anymore ageist <laughs> well my patient one told me like she was a really really old woman and i want to say 95 really easily and she told me i was i was changing like her ice water uh jug and she told me you know why i'm so wise i said why i never got my wisdom teeth out and i was like okay i get it <laughs> that's where it all comes from <laughs> what do we think about the concept i was actually discussing that with my dad yesterday people who think wisdom they're wise no wise <laughs> are not actually wise like they're wives no wise people who think they're wise are not actually wise yeah. is that what you're saying yeah am i not pronouncing my v and w right again? no you did no, you I reset did. it <laughs> last night you never had a conversation i'm like what did he say i don't <laughs> think it's more of that i just think maybe some of it's it, it all comes down to your personal experience with people coming yeah. up to you and being like i'm i'm wise and that's just kind of being <laughs> cocky Mm -hmm. and overconfident about what you have to say and you're telling others that they need to listen to you so i can see why like you would have like a biased thing where you say right. if i'm wise maybe you're not actually wise yeah I, I think wisdom comes from life uh like experiences feelings and stuff that turn into a, a way of being able to communicate a life lesson from it if you yeah. can instill a lesson on somebody or uh provide them with some context of to how something works in the world that's mm -hmm. wisdom that you can instill it's different from intelligence and you know stuff like that yeah. so I, some people say i'm wise they're just smart 
You know what I mean? Or their book yeah. smart or something like that. So. Can I add something? Sure. So you know how it's uh, I'm gonna be a little stereotypical here, but love it when Simon gets <laughs> controversial. <laughs> Whenever I know episode, he's like, I'm gonna get a bit stereotypical. I'm like, okay, I'm listening. <laughs> you know, oftentimes brown people, uh, brown parents, they they shelter their kids in a way. Uh, maybe this is not right. I'm just talking from my experience. Um, I got really lucky with my parents, but our like parents would shelter us in a way where the kid doesn't doesn't even learn. Like you know, y- y- I bet you I can find so many parents that would be like, yeah, my ideal goal is for my kid to go to school, get his degree, and then get a job. But how the fuck are you gonna get a degree? <laughs> Uh, how the fuck are you going to get a job without experience? And that's how, like, life is. And too. it's not just in brown parents. It's This can extend out of yeah. that color shade as well. Like, this can happen any, in any situation. I think it's a matter of, like, parents being protective over the child, but to a really extreme level, unfortunately. Having a bubble. Having being a bubble. a bubble parent. Yeah. And... Unfortunately, in that situation, all you can do is hope the child learns of what not to do so that that behavior is not propagated into future generations. Because me and Jeremy have a couple friends that we know that were brought that way. Oh. You know? My cousins were brought up in a bubble. It was insane. I mean, I I was a semi-sheltered kid as well. Like, I have experiences, but... There were some things that my parents never told me because they knew that it would it would upset us or like we won't be able to handle. And uh, I mean, in, it, it, there's two sides to it. I appreciated it. Mm-hmm. Some people might not. I appreciated it. <laughs> I think there's an. You're absolutely right. There's an overdoing it on both sides mm-hmm. because, you know, when I was growing up, my dad, you know he tried to show me the, like, you don't want to hide the world from your kids because they're going to figure it out one day or another. Mm -hmm. Right. But you can't like throw the craziest things at them right off the jump and be like, what do you think of this? Cause they're going to, Oh, that's crazy. But you know, I think, um, if there is some, you know, kids obviously learn from lessons. They learn from, when they do something bad or something bad happens and then their parents walk them through it. Like, what about peer pressure though? That's like huge. And I see a lot of things around Saskatoon right now. Mm-hmm. Every billboard I look at sometimes saying, how do I, um, my parents never taught me about saying no. How do I teach my kids to say no? How do I teach my kids about peer pressure? Cause it's mm-hmm. still a very yeah. avid thing. And it is like if you are you right in the sense of what we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. you want to belong. But now, now in our life, the cool thing is social media and paraphernalia and things like that. Like that's what's intriguing to everybody right now because it's a trend. It's it's a whole thing in itself, right? Everybody's doing it, so you must be able to do it too. You got to go do it. Yeah. Like while I'm not a parent, I was brought up in that way, where from a very young age, Touchwood, my parents taught me how to say no um maybe that's just because as a family we had gone through some things um that you know involved them making really hard situations to not appease others um 
but at the end of the day, it's a matter of your child, you, you being a resilient parent and you making your child resilient and mature enough to say no. I think at some point of our lives, we've all been in situations where we've either felt unsafe or there's been like a genuine voice inside that said, this is not like, I shouldn't be here. I should say no, or I should leave. That sense is going to be in any human being. It's a matter of teaching your child that I trust you to make good decisions and also being a bit, you know, not apprehensive, but being a bit clever in the sense like seeing if your child actually can and teaching them how to. Yeah, it's so situational with Mm -hmm. peer pressure because it can change inside and outside. Yeah. Of um, where obviously, you know, as a kid, you're probably taught like, hey, you don't need to come to this. You don't need to do anything Mm -hmm. that you don't want to do. But in that moment as a kid or even like now, you can do it to people where you're like, Man, people fold like this when people get behind it, right? Because, you know, we're not like, we're taught to conform in a way, kind of, where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, oh, that's what everybody's doing. So it's okay if I join in on it. And I, I, it's extremely situational, but it, that, it's probably one of the hardest ones to truly understand because it's ever changing. It'll just be. A constant cycle of, you know. If you have that gut feeling, that gut feeling, honestly, when they say trust your instincts and trust your gut, you should do it. Trust it. And if it tells you to walk away, man or woman or whatever you like to call yourself, please walk away if you feel that way. And it's it's good for your mental health, too. You you're much rather being safe than sorry and then regretting a decision you made all those years ago. Um regret is i don't think we should regret anything because if you don't if you regret something what did you learn from it what are Mm -hmm. you taking away from it take something away from that situation and make it into something positive that's true i'm a firm believer that every single thing that you've done leading up to this point in your life is the reason that you're at this point it could be just one different decision could have been a whole different pathway right yeah and that's why I think regret is not a thing that you can have because you're fortunate enough to be in the position you're in now, whatever it may be. I try and think that way because, you know, someone out there has got it harder than you regardless. And it's always going to happen. I think a lot of people think of regret as in like, oh, they're still living in that moment and they're still pondering those situations and they're still wondering what went wrong. I don't think that's what regret is. I think regret is just being hard on yourself because you wish things went differently or that just never happened things like that but that's why we just said don't think that way take something away from regret and i think like this even goes back to like school systems too like there are some complex emotions that like as kids we never necessarily understood we learned about them as we experienced them you know, no one likes to be angry. No one likes to be in a state where you feel in con- like out of control of your own conscious thoughts and what you're saying and what you're doing. Um, but you learn about it with experience. And I think with regret even, people should maybe change the definition maybe. Like, like you said, it should be about taking away from that situation and reflecting on it. Regret shouldn't be all that bad because if not, if, if it's not reflection, people get stuck in it. Yeah. I've seen so many people in my life like 
they still ponder over like a mistake they made like all those years ago and i've done it myself too you know regret saying something or regret breaking off a friendship sometimes it's important and you have to be you're going to be the only person who's going to get yourself out of that cycle unfortunately and i think like you're right what are you going what are you regretful for are you going to remain regretful or are you going to do something to try and ease and um grow your mindset and maybe like you know revisit what had happened in the past and be like this isn't like this anymore Mm -hmm. and i'm sorry and boom from doing something about your regret turn leads to not having regret you know it turns into believing yourself and your choices and what you did to not be at that point anymore yeah and that comes if you're resilient with yourself and you're compassionate with yourself that you're able to allow yourself to internalize that situation then in a you know three days four days seven days max then you're able to get out of it forgive yourself forgive them no one else will (laughs) it's also you're, you need to give yourself a chance to learn, understand things, like develop yourself right. past that point. And it, all that stuff takes time. And understand, but beating yourself up day after day, you will never learn anything from your mistakes because you're constantly reinforcing that right. idea in your head. Yeah. Seven hour. That's fine. Right. Okay. So you have to constantly be re- reinforcing to your not sorry lost my train of thought there <laughs> they, when you are do you want to speak what so you're talking <laughs> about the idea of beating yourself up yeah when you beat yourself up day after day after day you are not able to reinforce those ideas that you need to learn to get through this or to make yourself a better person because it's always having people do stupid shit people do stuff all the time that they regret that's what yeah. life is. I guarantee you, sixty percent of stuff people do, they're like, "Ah, oh, I could have done that a lot different." <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You know, and that's life. That is, your from a kid, your parents are teaching you that when you regret something, oh, you make a learning experience of this. But now, yeah. as we get into this age, you need to be able to do that yourself and self-analyze and, um, you know, revisit. And it's all just you're right another thing about that is it definitely all comes down to what you're taught and where everything comes from in your mind because like if uh, your parents are telling you um oh my god i totally just lost my train of thought there too wow well this is crazy someone who i'm someone who follows religion right and the idea of like canceling someone it's just it boggles my mind because I know we have touched on this topic a couple times, but even God forgives you. Yeah. Right? In the holy books, it's been written that God forgives you multiple times. Am I correct? Or wrong? It depends uh, at on least the God book. forgives you once. You know? At but, least every single book would say forgiveness is yeah. something in them. Yeah. Who the fuck are people? Um, dictating if they're gonna forgive one person or not. Like, yeah. where does that idea come from? Why is cancellation culture such a thing? I I don't get it. I understand it for some things because there's some acts that you can't come back. From. We yeah, yeah absolutely. I think that's pretty standard across the board for most people. But but let the law handle that. When they're it's getting to the point where they're trying to make people 
they're waiting for someone to do something and make right. a general mistake that people make mistakes all the time in the spotlight so that they can say, all right, you're done. If you don't like that person to begin with because they've done something, you're jealous of something, anything, uh, you know, you people are going to jump on them. Like, for example, like Charlie D'Amelio, like when she got popular, people yeah. were after her for no reason. She was only 16, I think, when she got popular. To be subjected to that type of hatred and not just in the numbers of like thousands, it was more like millions of yeah. people after her for some reason. It boils my fucking head. People are literally waiting. That's how pathetic their lives is. That's how pathetic they are. Those people are fucking pathetic if they're waiting for a person because they're so jealous, they fucking hate their life, that they're adamant on just waiting for one person to fuck up or make a mistake that they're going to come after you. Like, get a fucking life, man. But there will be always people like <laughs> what? that. Yeah. Good. It's unfortunate, but there will always be people like that. And it, then it becomes a case of, are you able to trust your own? own judgment enough and have enough faith in your decision what you said what you did because if you are confident in it then it shouldn't matter to you what the other person is saying or doing and at that point only your own forgiveness should matter no but yeah i get that but now the world we live in social media and your reputation all that stuff means so much and dictates so much that what those people actually do end up affecting your life so as you have to in a way care about what they say and think what i wonder what everybody would do if all the servers just shut down for a week in the entire world like I, I genuinely wonder i remember when instagram was down for like three hours people went crazy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well it's become a an obsession right mm -hmm. which you know some some part like my point what i was going to make earlier is i can be as a parent if i was a parent it'd be very challenging for me to let my kid even at 16 years old be that famous on tiktok because i knew i know exactly what it's going to bring like right. they're going to get hated every day yeah they're going to read some nice stuff about themselves and feel good about likes and stuff like that but they're also going to see just egregious stuff and i think that'd be very hard to get behind in that space and you know kudos to people who are able to do that but sorry moving forward into no like yeah. those people are just useless um they don't deserve to be in the society because what are they doing for the society nothing Instead, they're making one person. Because how do you learn? What you if one learn, of those people was just a hater, but it was a major contribute, like contributor to society, which is exactly why they wanted to cancel somebody. The, I'll tell you. This. How are you? The, the reason people hate, though, from a core is they're they're envying something, they are jealous of something. It, that something that that person is doing is making them feel like they are not enough, or there's something that is irking them. About their own life. So but let's be pretty blatant about cancel culture. Most people in today's society define cancel culture as somebody demeaning and absolutely 
crapping on somebody else's culture or saying slang you should not be saying because it does not pertain to your life you have no idea you have no idea what those other people had to go through things like that that's what cancel culture is it's people who did blackface it's people who have said the n-word things like that it's not just people slamming others for no good reason it's social injustice by the people right which i see your point where it's wrong sorry it's a a toxic level of public scrutiny public scrutiny is always going to be there i'm doing something there will be 10 people who oppose it but at the same time i understand like when you're exposed to something that you know at a very high magnitude it'll get to you but you can't be stuck in it if you're stuck in it you'll be stuck forever you can't keep pining on the words of a random tom dick and harry it's you know you'll be there forever unfortunately (laughs) you have to believe in yourself enough like it it can't be like for example i know you'll never say this but if slime came up to you say like you suck as a person do i choose to believe it if i do then maybe genuinely internally somewhere subconsciously i believe that i am bad as a person i know he's never gonna say it but if he ever did (laughs) if he ever did now you know don't say it it's funny (laughs) though i the people i love i tell them they suck all the time (laughs) um that's just the idea of how i love different kind of love it is but like i don't get it though because how is a person in the society supposed to learn if they don't make mistakes not just in society in life in life yeah how what now the world has come to a point where people are genuinely afraid to make mistakes and how the fuck are they gonna learn and this is why the world is a fucked up place that's, an- that's what i was gonna yeah. say earlier mistakes are most sometimes parents don't defer whether or not what failure is versus what a mistake is and if they say you make a mistake that means you fail or they don't even define what failure and acceptance is at all mm-hmm and I mean, honestly, no one is ever happy to make a mistake. No one's ever proud of making a mistake. It's definitely not something. But it just becomes a case of knowing how to get back up and knowing how to, you know, not like even if you're falling, how to fall from grace. Right. So it's a matter of recognizing that no matter what you do, good or bad mistake or perfection, it's going to be subjected to public scrutiny. But at the end of the day, it's you who gives the label to it. It's your property. That's what you, I'm going to use in the beginning. <laughs> you, know, you know why society has become so weak? Weak. Weak. Let, let me, let me, if I, uh, you know, I, like, anything I'm going to say. Little things. Anything I'm going to say, it's going to come out. Anything I'm going to say, it's going to be from my experience and from my perspective. And obviously, everything I'm going to say is not going to be right. But that's just how I think in my current state of mind. So what I want to say is, you Brooklyn actually last night, she was like, hey, if you keep taking medication, um, if you have headache every time, eventually the medication is going to stop working. Because, um, why? Why? Well, you build exactly, yeah. because you build a resistance, right? And now I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> No, I get where you I get where you're going with it, but at the end of the day again, it just becomes a matter of how you define. No, uh, yes, but the site is becoming weak because we are not making mistakes now and we're not learning. So we have no sense of res- 
Believe me, there are a lot of mistakes that society is making. No, well, uh, oh, it is. <laughs> we are making a lot of... Uh, two days ago. Two, literally two days ago. <laughs> People are afraid to make, like, smaller mistakes. Is that what you're trying to... People are afraid to make mistakes, and then people are walk- constantly walking on eggshells. That's egg why they're shells. becoming. See, people are not afraid of making mistakes. Yeah, people are not afraid of making mistakes. They're afraid of getting judged and scrutinized yeah. for it. You would never know if something is a mistake, unless or until you get a re- reaction out yeah. of it. When you started your brand, it could have gone both ways. It could have gone in a good way and a bad way, and it went the good way. Luckily for you. So you never saw the bad side of it. And, you know, and I'm grateful that you didn't because this is a great initiative. But at the same time, if it went the wrong way and you let the words of some other individual get to you, then RDV would not be where it is today. Oh, believe me, there have been some people. (laughs) People have really fucked up. But you've had always with you to say people will always have something to say. Yes. That's the reality. And you would never know if something is a mistake unless or until it gets a reaction. And if it gets people talking, believe me, it's it's important that it happened because it's helping us reflect on what's happening in our current life. I think if somebody comes at you, honestly, as hard as it is to do, if you have enough respect for yourself, validate them and move on. Not just them, validate yourself. Yeah, like yeah. V- validate the whole entire situation and just accept it for what it is and that is that they like when people recognize that maturity and see that you are literally with like i mean beholding that maturity and also throwing it at them how mature what you're saying is and things like that they're like all right i'm done because clearly i am way too unmature to level with this mature person it all boils down to how you handle the situation yourself Mm -hmm. in whatever the situation is i know people say like it's out of my control no it's in your control it's always in your control you just don't think you're capable enough to demonstrate that control you can make or break a narrative if something is going around about you like we've all been gossiped about like people have said something if you choose to let people believe it they will if you decide to work against that momentum and create a better image about yourself people will change their minds people people's feelings are so fickle people change minds people change opinions people change beliefs at the whim that's true but is that 17 year old strong person um let's get off the 17 year old let's get off to you i really do agree you made a comment about how people are be, are so worried about what other people think about them that it is making them weak in an extent because they can't express themselves or right. yeah. to express themselves. That is a weak mindset. If you are able to, um, you know, look past some of those things and get out your comfort zone without feeling like you're, you know, getting to a point of, uh, you know, being judged by people that you can't handle. Like everybody likes to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's well, you way. learn also by having a conversation. Yeah. And everyone, someone's going to talk shit about you at some point in your life more than once. And mm-hmm. it just is what it is. But you yep. keep rolling through that stuff. That's your, that means you can't be stopped. Roll through the punches and accept yeah. that you could possibly maybe the bad guy in somebody else's story. Yeah. Yes. I feel like every person. You're always the bad guy yeah. in someone else's story. Mm-hmm. For real. Yeah. No matter what you do. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the, just the idea of hating someone is so like negative and something so easy to do that I don't think pathetic people could do that. Well, that's because it's the easy thing to do. Yeah, easy way out. It's it's the easy way out. Being nice to somebody and like spreading positivity. It's the harder option. Like, how are you helping one's mental health? Like in terms of like in in that situation, like spreading hate. And how are you helping your own mental health? Yeah, as well? it, yeah exactly. It um, says about your own mental yeah. health too. Because anytime someone talks shit about talks shit about me to someone, no, someone who talks shit about someone to me, I'm like, bro, you you just fucking hate your life. Yep, <laughs> that's how I would yeah. describe it. That you know they have nothing better to do in their own little bubble that they find it convenient to like, talk about you and complain about you. So talk about your fucking favorite color. I think that's a really how- big tell too about when you first meet a person is if their first instinct yes. is to tell you something you about somebody else you have no idea who it even is. Yeah. Then what are you going to go and talk about me to somebody else who has no idea who I am? Mm-hmm. I was actually in that exact same situation. I moved to Norbal for grade nine and met somebody. First day of school, they're telling me things about somebody. And at that point, I never thought into it. But looking back, all I can think is, well, if they can say that about them, and they've been friends for about like 12 years, <laughs> I, don't I just be met with them. them. <laughs> I was laughing because I thought about like that Nicki Minaj thing where she's like, talk about a bitch I had a lot to say about me. <laughs> the, the press Miley. of the day. <laughs> Miley, what's good? <laughs> Hey, we all know uh, interviews all get misconstrued, yeah. and but it's true. Miley came back really well, but it's true Miley's they like, do just do that in interviews. Yeah, she's like, in <laughs> Jay Z said it right. Somewhere in America, Miley Tor- uh, Cyrus is still twerking. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good era. <laughs> Let's go. Back Everybody to thought that. she was just going gang ho and crazy, but like, no, she was just she was just going through her phase, becoming a rock girl, wanting to Miley do her own crap. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. The Pablo the Blowfish. Pablo the Blowfish. I came out like a rat. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I do think we have discovered, uh, we have covered um, a lot of the things that we wanted to Woo-hoo. talk about. Yeah. We all kind of got riled up. I'm glad we all were in the situation. <laughs> I was just like shooting daggers. Yeah. <laughs> We all were like connected in that conversation. That was a really good conversation. Yeah. That, that was probably yeah. I yeah. feel like this is one of the best conversations we had in like so long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is like the conversation like my friends and I have like when we're all tired and like we're all just like laying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Late what is life? <laughs> but I really enjoyed the first forty-five minutes. That's for sure because you were very well versed and well educated. You know yeah. what you're talking about. You're not Thank just. You. <laughs> spewing <laughs> random things and you know like uh, it's very nice to listen to that thank you it was I, a privilege you guys are all equally like learned in it too and learned by what experiences perspective perspective everybody different coming Girl's into this mindset. room don't be stuck in a rut oh <laughs> if you're downy eat a brownie oh my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> what does mental health mean to you Resilient. Really <laughs> <laughs> I feel like so that word so many times. Resilient. Be resilient. <laughs> Beautiful. I th- do you think the idea of growth um, has helped your mental health? Like from zero to 100. Like how Drake's <laughs> fucking, like his song. Because <laughs> like, wait a minute. <laughs> real quick. <laughs> no, it, it certainly is. And I think even 
anyone can attest to it even you guys can when when you're stuck in a rut you feel like there's no way out mm-hmm. and sometimes to actually get out of that situation you have to fall to the bottom you have to be in that like that ditch and then crawl your way back up and it teaches you not just about yourself but it teaches you about what life is and how you need to be you have to build a tough skin you have to be able to handle other people's criticisms you also have to have enough faith in yourself but at the same time you need to be able to adapt and evolve and grow with what your environment is triggering you to do if your gut says get out of here get out but if your gut says this is a good investment invest your time your money your effort all these are investments yeah do you guys think kids are investment like having children yeah debatable <laughs> personal investment for yourself it is it's probably the one of the most rewarding things you can do is to like in some cultures it's also like a financial thing you know because there's an expectation that the kid is going to come support the family and but like i mean in my family at least like we always viewed like emotional love is what kids are we don't want more siblings but (laughs) my brother and i were like we're good (laughs) two of us are fine (laughs) i can't wait to have kids sime wants daughters Maybe Simon's one who wanted 14 kids, not Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) Simon wanted 14 kids. (laughs) I think he really does, though. I don't want 14 kids. 14 girls. No. Seven boys, seven girls. Ideally, I would... I don't know why we're even talking about it, but... Like, a boy and then two daughters. Yeah. Why does a boy have to be first? Uh, <laughs> honestly speaking, like you know, the boy, and some, you don't get girls. to choose how it comes out. Yeah, I know, I know that, but well, that's she, what I'm I saying. Say like, <laughs> as it comes out. <laughs> but um, that's how babies come out. <laughs> just through the wave, you know. They're just cruising. Everyone has like an ideal thing, mm-hmm. and that's like my ideal. I don't blame you. That was my mom too. She was convinced I was a boy. (laughs) My family was convinced I was a boy too. Like my dad was like, "It's gonna be a girl" because he's a radiologist, so he knows it's gonna be a girl. And she's like, "No, I say it's a boy. It's a boy." (laughs) Yeah. Um. The yeah again the idea of growth. I think if what what do you have to say to someone who doesn't understand the importance of like growth and how like that person is waking up and um is just like watching tv and kind of like just eating and going back going to work three to ten job coming back same thing there's no sense of like really growth that person's depressed because they're in a rut that's what they're they're waking up they're doing that thing again and again but growth doesn't happen overnight. Growth is not a magical process. To get to a growth mindset, you first have to become disciplined. You know, when when you are disciplined enough, when you're able to sit down and study for 12 hours, when you're able to prioritize only 30 minutes of social media time so that you can fit in two hours at the gym, or you are able to, you know, break your day into something, you won't get tired of it, but at the same time, what you'll experience is a higher level of thinking in a way. You're not just 
a machine who gets up at eight in the morning, who watches news for an hour. No, you are someone who is consciously making decisions with this idea that they are going to someday improve your life. So I would so say get out of your rut. <laughs> what, what should that three to 10 shift guy, girl, whatever should do? They should reevaluate what their priorities are. If your priority right out of high school, let's say, is to get a job, design your day in a way that you're able to fit in other things you're passionate about. It can't be that your only passion in life is working at McDonald's or like working in a marketing agency. It can't be that's your only passion. Yeah. You need to have something that, you know, makes you feel happy. It can be your friends, it can be your family. Yeah. It how can you, be something you do. How do you find your passion? You sit down with yourself and you you think back to your happiest memories in your childhood and you think about how they made you feel in that point of time and you think about how they impacted you. For example, I loved swimming. You know, I absolutely love it. So when I need to relax or like that, I would much rather go, you know, to the pool and do a couple of lane swims. And that's what my ideal ideal is. But at the same time, my passion would be like running my own company because it brings me the most joy. You got that? You got that shit? <laughs> <laughs> We need that. <laughs> Hell yeah. No. Now now we just need claps. Like we don't, the we, claps. don't need, we don't need any outro. We don't need any of that. Just claps. I'm just that? Was like the nicest people ever. <laughs> I no, honestly. Sam's <laughs> 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 have it. I'm gonna to preface everybody listening. Sam's had a difficult week with our society and the world. He's very <laughs> 17 years disappointed. Old. <laughs> he's disappointed. He's angry, as people should be. As yeah. we should be right now. I feel like we're having, we're all having a sense yeah. of how um, we feel like our justice system and the state law and government officials have completely failed. Not just us. law, we have failed each yeah. other. Yeah. 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 I mean, because at the end of the day, Pete, like, I know there's like there's 20 families who run the entire world and but as a society if <laughs> 20 we families that would be scary if like you know what i mean though if the illumin like that you know what if that's what's real if there's 20 families running the world ha, ha, oh, but yeah. there is though scary stuff yeah it's just a conspiracy we, we can only say it's a conspiracy exactly. we, we can, we can say it we can say it's it. a conspiracy it's just a conspiracy <laughs> But anyways, it's untrue. We don't know if it's true. It's just a conspiracy. Can't verify it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Again, everything like we say in the podcast is like well, that's our current state of mind, and it's gonna change and whatnot. It's all an illusion. This was yeah. all a facade. I mean, actually, imagine if like this really is an illusion. If we're like living in a simulation, kind of. Have you seen that song by Katy Perry? Um, it's something chained to the rhythm, I think. The music video... I think I know it, what you mean, yeah. Yeah, like, the music video is all about, like, people being stru- stuck in this oblivion, good or bad. They're just stuck in it. Like, our lives could be that way. You're gonna hear me Very roar? Easily. <laughs> 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 it just belts out Katy <laughs> That was definitely not a roar. Um, but, yeah. I-, I think we can end this. We're just quickly going to talk about um, latest news with news? the brand there's restocks happening there's going to be restock on pink hoodie laughing my loneliness quickly 
just want to ask you a last question. What does mental health mean to you? If you had to put it in one word, like mental health means dash to me. Resilience. Uh, yeah, I asked her that earlier, actually. Did you? Yeah, she During did the conversation? It. No, oh, it was when I, I thought we were going to end, and then you started talking about cancel culture. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, what's mental health? Resilience. Cancel culture. <laughs> <laughs> so real. Mm. Well, another huge thank you. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, where am I going? Where's my mind going? Where are my words going? Just... Uh, Thank you so much to Ishita for coming on. I hope I said that okay and not too wrong. You're like perfect. I pronounce, I know you have to. I know you pronounce the T real nice and hard in there, and I want to like be able to get that. But I'm just, I feel like I, I don't have it. You know, like how you say Latina. Oh yeah, okay. That's the T. Ishita, Ishita, Latina, Ishita. Yeah. Ishita. Yeah. That's good. Enough. <laughs> I'm not gonna. If I, I keep it. saying it, it's gonna start to it's sound like in. weird. Um, again, thank you so much for being here. Of we, course. I literally, I was so excited for this podcast. I'm so glad it finally happened. I'm so glad we finally <laughs> actually got to sit down in person after all of this time, right? And have a little bit of comfort with each other and learn some new things about each other. I am so grateful for all the educational stuff you have told us today it's definitely given me a new perspective because i honestly don't think we've ever had somebody come on the podcast and talk more about their culture and what it truly means and truly the difference between you know all the cultures i guess yeah. i should have worded that a little better but um the diversity you have yeah. taught us so much today and thank i appreciate you. that thank you for having me like two years of knowing each other first time ever meeting <laughs> is definitely great yeah well second time we did i i do yeah. believe we met each other once very oh, one time right. when you came to pick up something from science yes. house yeah, yeah that's and it was the first oh, time yeah. i ever saw you in person in the last time right oh, yeah. yes <laughs> that's why i'm like yes i'm so i'm so happy we got to do this today <laughs> she's what? so sweet everyone she's literally the sweetest person i have ever met she works so hard we all do we all work this is like that one i carly mean like i think we all sing <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good job um but yeah no uh any projects you're working on currently anything you want to put out in the world your socials no we're <laughs> like that that's done yeah um so if you're in Saskatoon, there's going to be a really new cool initiative coming that I'm spearheading. So it's a dance club called, dance studio called Janoon YXC. Um, it's going to be funded hope, uh, really, really thankfully by the University of Saskatchewan. And the goal is to help people um, in, in, at the risk of sounding cliche, get physical. <laughs> but you have to get, you, you know, you dance and you basically engage in some sort of physical activity to release positive endorphins in your body and feel good about yourself so wait a minute that. it's like but janoon is like an indian word yeah it is so you think i'm indian? gonna do something and not bring indian culture in it like reverse <laughs> colonization y'all will it i need will to bring it <laughs> will it be um like indian no, dance it will no? be like a mix like contemporary bollywood hip-hop we have like a bunch of people who are like excited to choreograph. Oh, that's so sick. I'm going to connect you with my friend because she currently teaches, um, she does like private 
it's not private dance. It's a, like she teaches kids. Right. Yeah, but it's private. Privately. Okay. Yeah. Dead. Um, awesome. And yeah, so that's cool. But we hope you're able to relate and connect to the stories shared on the platform. We know it has helped us tremendously and has given us understanding and knowledge of different perspective. As always, don't be afraid to reach out in the DMs. If you want to be involved with the podcast or help in any way, please send us a DM. And again, this is just a small but united attempt in raising awareness for mental health. Thanks for Daniel on filming this podcast. Thank you, Daniel, Brooklyn, the cameraman. Thank you. Ishtel. Thank you. J-Rock, Jeremy Ritchie. Hell Inside. yeah. If you want to make an impact, just start a conversation. Hashtag not alone. Hashtag not alone. Hashtag See you on the flippity flip. <laughs> <laughs>